The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan. And we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. Behavior does matter. And I'm really happy to have Bridget and Shandeep back with us to tell us another story. Um, Really cool to hear from people who do what we do just in different places. <laughs> so welcome back, ladies. Hi, nice Thank to be back. back. Nice to be back. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I know you have another story about a young man um, named Hank. And so if you want to just go right to it, we can talk through it. So Hank is an interesting case, not necessarily talking about autism for this case. He is in first grade. Last year, he had half of his instruction online, and then half of it was face-to-face in the classroom setting. And so obviously, the jump between kindergarten to first grade is also very different, especially with COVID. So again, kind of talking about some of those different variables. Kindergarten is really hard right now. And I know I've talked about this with you, and I know Ceci and I have talked about it a million times. And forgive my... French, but these kindergartners are kicking our asses everywhere. And it's not just like you said, it's not just kids with autism. Sometimes it's general ed kids, mm-hmm. right? Who haven't even been identified for eligibility. I mean, it's it's really tough out there. So anyway, go ahead, back to your story. Yeah. So what makes this case even more difficult is that this, this individual was on medication that is known for making you very angry. Um, so making you flip like a light switch. Um, and so... Anything we try to implement, any type of antecedent events, calming strategies, it would just escalate. And this student just could not calm down where he'd be in hour long, hour long episodes where I'd be dripping sweat and he just would not stop the aggression, the verbal aggression, just saying, I want to kill you. You just want to hurt me. A lot of the negative talk, self-talk. So blocking him would escalate him. If I tried to walk away, he'd jump up and punch me in the face. And so that was what this campus was really struggling with. Um, And what I was really struggling with and what I pulled Shandeep in to help collaborate with is that, you know, extinction is not going to work with this child. We know that this student is on a medication that makes him a little bit more angry. So we need to take a step back and look at some other factors. And so I reached out to parents. We got some input and communication, worked through some areas. We changed the medication around. They worked with their psychiatrist to reduce some of that. And we're seeing a really great change with all of those variables in place. But now the challenge is the student has been in a self-contained classroom, and now we need to get him back into the gen ed setting. And so what we're struggling with now is a lot of prompt dependency. I mean, the student doesn't have the social skills to be independent in the classroom. So we're taking another step back. Yeah, we've reduced physical aggression. We've reduced a lot of the negative self-talk. Now we have to teach this individual how to raise his hand to ask for help because it's not in a one-on-one setting anymore. Now we need to teach the student to be able to sit in a group setting because he doesn't have a small group of peers that he was used to. Yeah. Uh, I think about, it's such an important point. We talk about it all the time. There can be medical pieces around why a child is behaving the way they are. And, you know, we can change all the antecedents we want and all the consequences we want. But if there's something medically going on, we have to have the intervention of a physician to help us with that. So that is a really important piece and ruling out anything medical first. And so that's very good. I'm sure he's much happier not 
wanting to attack people. So. Yeah, in fact, he's on the flip side now. So when, and you know, Bridget did an awesome job of in- implementing choices. So a lot of it was a control issue, right? And when you implement choices, the child does feel like they're in control. So I think she did a very awesome job of going back to zero. And we started from one task at a time, building up where now he can do, you know, three or four tasks in the morning, three or four tasks in the afternoon, but now we have to get him back. So we've noticed that when he actually goes back, we feel like his body language is very low. You feel like he has a low self-esteem because he's not any longer sure of himself that he can do what he takes. So how do we flip it back, right? How do we give him that put back that self-esteem in him to make him and then also pick the right right time of the day that we send him, right subject where we can prevent as much of environmental, you know, avoid any environmental issues. So send him at a subject that he likes, send him at a time where he likes. How do we increase it? So that's that's the process that Bridget and I ha- are in that we've worked so hard up till now that we don't want to go back to zero by and then making one wrong step will set him all the way back. Yeah. So, yeah. kudos to both of you for for working so hard and for you know setting this kiddo up to be successful. You know, I was I was just having a conversation today with a school psychologist about a four year old, and we zoomed, and the little guy came on, and he had a very significant speech impairment, and you know he cognitively tested out as intellectually disabled, but I'm not convinced that he was. Is I just think that he's been environmentally deprived, right? He's never been to school. He's in pre-K. He's got a really strong speech impairment. So we know he'll qualify for speech, but do we want to put an eligibility on there for a four-year-old? So what they were going to do is call him NCEC ID so that he could get into some, get some services. Like he's not, his self-care skills aren't great. He doesn't wipe when he's toileting. He doesn't know how to wash his hands and dry his hands. And so anyway, the point is, We'll retest them next year and hopefully we'll take that ID label off. But the reason we did that is because you can't really get a lot of services if you're speech only, right? And so, um, but we talked about a blended program, kind of like what you were talking about today, Shandi, just a minute ago. We talked about, you know, why can't he go to life skills for life skills for self-care? And can he go to um, gen ed for social and can he go to a blended PP or ECSC classroom for social or academic, you know? And so these kids, I feel like sometimes people want to put a kid in a place. Like he's like this kind of kid, he's this kind of kid. And it's really not about location. It's really about services and support. And so what does he need to be successful? I don't think he's ID, but we talked through it and we decided that, you know, that might be best so he can get more services than he would if he were just speech only. Um, and so I just love the creativity and thinking outside the box because it's not about it's not about programs. It's about services and support. And you have to get creative with some of these kids because they don't fit. They're not life skills. They're not resource. They're not gen ed. They're everything. You know, so anyway, I, I love that story. That's a great one. Yeah. And to really just think about this young man as let, let's back it up, people. Let's back it up and get him to a place uh, where he can breathe for a minute, and then we'll re- reintroduce this idea of demand for school. But choice is so powerful, and we know that is true 
for ourselves, right? When you think about what teachers will do to get to wear jeans on Friday, is a perfect example of what what does choice do for us is remove the choice of genes all of a sudden genes are the greatest thing for adults and that's not a child who's trying to figure out how this world works right 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 yeah it's very true and I mean little choices like do you want to sit in the blue chair or the red chair do you want to use a pen I think I've even told this story do you want to use a crayon or a pencil do you want to use a pencil at me Little things like that gives them control over their environment and they have such little control already, right? Because we're telling them what they're going to eat, when they're going to eat, where they're going to go to the bathroom, when they're going to go to the bathroom, where they hang the backpack, where they're going to sit, who they're going to sit next to. You know, that we, we control everything and, and it's like, oh gosh, if I could just have a little bit of control, that would be really cool. So let's give it to them. Let's make it make it fun. The other thing that choice does is it teaches kids how powerful communication is. If I have to tell you what I want, then I'm beginning to see that if I use words, I get what I want. And hopefully it's faster and easier than if my behavior gets what I want. So just love that idea. I'm sure that has made a big difference for him. And I feel confident he's going to be back in gen ed doing his thing. <laughs> so Exactly. And I think with that too, um, You know, just at home, I know I got an email from a parent, um, this child's parent saying that their son is happy to go to school when, since school has started, he did not want to go to school. And he has that right. You know, public education is so important. It should be for everyone. So when she sent me that, it made all of this hard work feel so much better. So we still have a lot of work to do, but that, that email made my day. So I'm proud of him. That's fantastic, Bridget. And just as a follow-up question, um, I think you had said in an email or some other communication that the teacher had been following through and implementing some of your recommendations. So kudos to her, right? Yeah, no, she's doing an amazing job. You know, she was on, you know, in the trenches with me working on some of that challenging behavior and aggression. Um, and she's reaping the rewards now too. So I'm proud of her and I'm proud of the entire team. We wouldn't have gotten to where we're at now without everybody's support. You know, and it's, it's worth the work. Right. It's worth the work. And I, I, I always talk about, you know, kids that I've seen lately and one kid's behavior had changed. And I said to the campus, how, you know, they said he's doing much better. I said, what happened? They said, well, we implemented some of the recommendations. And I was like, oh, my gosh, congratulations. That's fantastic. And she said, you know, at first I thought, oh, God, it's just one more thing. And then we decided and I said, and it's worth it. Right. It was worth the work. You got him. Now he's in Gen Ed and he's has appropriate behavior and you don't have to deal with behavior anymore because you were willing to put the work in. And I think that's just huge. And we need to really, really give lots of praise and reinforcement to the teacher for doing that. That's super cool. You know, you think about a child as young as Hank and how important it is to help him turn the ship around and be able to be happy at school. He would be missing foundational education if we can't help him. I mean, it's life changing. I know people don't necessarily think about kinder first, second grade kind of things as being life changing, but they are. Um, they it makes a big difference. If you don't get that information solid, you're not going to get the things that come in third, fourth, fifth, and on into middle school. So um, that has to feel good to know that um, he's headed in the right direction. And I love that too. That you you know the team was willing to pull back and and look at prerequisite skills because so many of these kids are coming to the learning environment with not having prerequisite skills in their repertoire. So 
Great story again. Thanks, ladies. Um, we do have a test question. I'll go ahead and read it since Sissy wrote the last one. In the story about Hank, Shandeep and Bridget talked about bringing a student back into the general education following intense social skills instruction. In part of the story, they talked about incremental changes in Hank's social skills toward the overall goal. This is best described as A, prompt fading, B, forward chaining, C, task analyzing, D, shaping. Shandeep and Bridget, you want to talk through it? That's a good question. That's a tough one, yes. Well, because some of those things overlap, right? Right. So what is the goal that we're working at? So we're talking about incremental changes and hang social skills towards the overall goal. So that kind of sounds like what behavior definition in A, B, C, or D could that be? It's not prompt fading, yeah, right? So because prompt you, fading would be fading. Like going from ha- you know physical prompt to, to verbal to gesture or what. Yeah, be talking about the behavior yes. of the instructors, the teacher. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so forward training, that also doesn't fit this definition of making incremental changes towards the overall goal, right? I don't know. I wouldn't rule out. I mean, I know, Bridget, you know more than me on this, but I wouldn't rule out forward chaining because it is chaining those small pieces to make, to go forward, right? Well, think of an example where you would use, Sissy, be my brain right now, and think of an example where you would use forward chaining. So if I'm thinking about forward chaining, I don't know why, but I usually talk about dishwashing. So for a child that you're using forward chaining, that would mean you teach them the first step of rinse the dishes and put them in the soapy water. And then the next step would be, you. then it would be rinse the dishes, put them in the soapy water and uh, wipe them down, you know, and so you would go forward with your chaining and um, that would be forward chaining. First steps first and then move on. In backward chaining, you could use certainly use backward chaining in teaching dishes. I've done it both ways, but um, I the easiest one for me to think about with backward chaining is for teaching students uh, to tie their shoes because we're frequently having them putting put on their shoes and tie their shoes to go do something that they enjoy, like uh, go to the recess field or or go play baseball or whatever it is. And so you would do most of the tying and then they would do the last little pull. And then you would add in, you know, the step before that. So you're, you're moving backwards. But what, how that works is that they're coming into contact with the reinforcement of going to play baseball or going to the recess field or whatever it is, um, you know, so you're teaching the last few steps so they get to the fun thing and then backing it up. Um, so that's forward and backward chaining. So I don't see a list of skills where we were, but I understand you do it incrementally. Yeah, I mean, that's why we talked about that idea of, there's some overlap. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so if that is not a task list, Bridget would. It, so we are saying it's it, it's D shaping. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So because yes. shaping is the use of reinforcement yes. um, of a successive approximations of a desired behavior. So with social skills, you can't just. It's really hard to do some type of chaining or task analysis, especially in um, a setting, right? I mean, we I, I couldn't imagine talking with peers and you know just saying <laughs> hi. Kind of just standing there and waiting for the next prompt, right? That's really awkward. So shaping makes more sense. 
Yes. And so the easy way to remember shaping is it's just reinforcing baby steps, right? And so you just start, you go to where the kiddo is, and then you start reinforcing little baby steps along the way until we get to the terminal behavior or the ultimate desired behavior. I'm going to listen to all your podcasts before I take that exam. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you you do use prompt fading in shaping frequently. You know, I mean, there Mm -hmm. was definitely and task analysis is incremental as well as uh, I mean, it can be incremental. So, yeah. And that is frequently how the test questions are laid out to kind of give you a little like and exactly what you did Bridget with "Mm, yes I see the piece of the definition for shaping in the question so let me uh, rule out the others and then I know I can go with shaping so very good (laughs) yeah good job you guys thank you so much for participating and I can't thank you enough for agreeing to be here I know your time is very precious and you both are very, very busy. So thank you so much. Anyway, thanks again. You guys are awesome. I appreciate the stories. And, you know, as always, listeners, please like, subscribe, share, or comment on social media and or rate and review us on the podcast app that you're using. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Yes. Thank you, ladies. And thank you, listeners.